I'm going to show you a picture and tell you something about the Holda gates. You can see that there are two doors. And this is the pilgrim's entrance to the Temple Mount. So when you went in those doors, there would be like going up in the Statue of Liberty, a stairwell to the right and a stairwell to the left. Going up was to the right and going down was to the left. And in the Mishnah, they explain what the function of those were for. And it was shared this week by Naomi Kalish, who is at the director of the Jewish Theological Seminary Center for Pastoral Education. She pointed out that in Midol chapter 2, verse 2, it explains why people went up on the right and came down on the left and when they didn't. And it relates to today's parasha because we need to understand what does it mean to go to the temple on festivals or in general? What are people doing? You and your household would bring your offerings and it would be vacation. The festivals were national vacations in the land of Israel. So you are happy. References in the Torah even to the idea of that you'd be, for those who drink, they'd be drinking. And it was a, it was, you know, it, it, like you save up all year for vacation, you would go on vacation to get to the temple. So surrounding the actual ascension up the stairwell and the stairwell down was partying. You would find lodging and you would be celebrating during the period of the festival and sometime during your vacation of festivities and enjoyment celebration you would go to the temple to deliver your offering and go up and down. So what was it like for people who didn't feel like celebrating? She writes, the authors of the Mishnah gave thought to the lived experience of people coming to the temple during these pilgrimage festivals, Pesach, Sukkot, Shavuot. And they imagined that individuals would re-enter the larger Israelite community after periods of time apart. I'm going to repeat that. They imagined what it would be like for individuals to come to the temple to re-enter community after periods of time apart. And they specifically wondered about the interpersonal dynamics when encountering one another during emotionally charged times in their lives. The Mishnah basically states, you go up on the right you let people come down, descend on the left, unless you're in categories of people, in which case you actually go up the wrong way. And so you are ascending on the downstairs and, um, and then you're descending on the stairs on which people come up and you're going the wrong way. So people would enter to the left, they go the wrong way if they were experiencing a hardship. So category one, person in mourning, category two, a person who had been shunned by their family or community, the caregiver of an ill family member, and for one who is preoccupied because of the loss of an important object. So what do you say to these people? You, you got, they've self-identified in those categories. This has been a hard year. I am not feeling like celebrating, and you're coming from the Disney Hotel of Jerusalem. So the passage gives guidance. The first thing you do is you ask the question, why are you circling to the left? If the person responds, because I am in mourning, then one should offer the prayer 
May the one who dwells in this house comfort you. If someone answers the question by saying, I have an ill family member, one should respond with the prayer. May the one who dwells in this house have compassion upon your relative. For the person who says they, are, they have been shunned by their family or their community, Rabbi Meir says, may the one who dwells in his house grant in the hearts of your family or community members to draw you near. And Rabbi Yossi disagrees with Rabbi Meir. Maybe the person deserved to be excommunicated, to be thrown out. I think you should say, may he who dwells in this house inspire you to listen to the words of your colleagues so that they will draw you near again. The rabbis basically make Rabbi Meir's position the majority position, but leave Rabbi Yossi's as the minority position. I think for people who have suffered shunning from their families, especially because of gender identity, it's a powerful thing to think about today. So though it may sound like it's highly scripted, the cases provide invitations for future innovation, according to Professor Galish. We are instructed to begin this encounter not with a gesture of help, but with a question. Why are you circling? The encounter begins with the caregiver not knowing and with deference to the one who is literally walking a different path against the mainstream. She quotes the trauma psychiatrist, Jonathan Shea, who mostly works with veterans and based his work on that, as understanding that in his words, healing from trauma depends upon communalization of the trauma. So this time of pilgrimage, encountering the larger community can either be a blessing or a curse but rather than avoid it, it's put front and center. It gives the opportunity to give voice to the suffering. He said, all too often, however, our mode of listening deteriorates into intellectual sorting with the professional grabbing at the veteran's words from the air and sticking them into mental bins. I think he's talking about like, don't just, oh, you said that, I know what to say. I know what, what box to put you in. To some degree, he writes, this is educationally necessary, but listening this way destroys trust. The Mishnah is guiding us to a different way of extending greeting and prayer. And whether or not this ritual is enacted literally, we can take inspiration in how our ancient sages urged the entire community to communalize the life challenges of individuals, especially at times of festive gathering. We have been in our homes for a long time. We need to really think deeply about what comes next. And there's a part of us that just wants to rush to be saying, hey, I had a pretty good year. When are we meeting? When are we showing up at the temple? When are we festivating? How about tomorrow? How about we just start? And we have to be careful about thinking that maybe not everyone had such a, a good year and is ready to celebrate. How do we take into account the very private, non-public experiences that people have been going through. So interesting that one of the four categories is just to take one of them, caring for a family member who is older. 
there are a lot of people who have really struggled this year to care for a loved one who is older, especially when they're not living with you. How do you deal with giving them comfort and love and the care you were doing before when you weren't allowed into their wing or into their apartment or to spend time with them or those that did? I mean, there are people coming back from this, young adults who gave COVID to their families because they wanted to see them and spend time with them and come home. There are people who've had a very challenging year without the ability to share about caring for older folks, family members. And that doesn't jive with other people who, are, who, you know, who had said, let's take a walk together. Like, I, I don't understand your hang up about it, right? And for people who have had people die during this year, not necessarily from COVID, and are in that category of, this was a year of mourning for me. There's some of us who didn't even get to have a memorial service, you know, or I, I had to sit Shiva without people being able to come over. And I'm grateful for the virtual Shivas. I really am rabbi. And I get these amazing thank you notes that make that uplift me. And I'm so grateful for, but I know it's not the same. And there are people who do have relatives who have died of COVID and have gone through all of those experiences. And there are people who not exactly with being uh, a Nidui, being someone who's been shunned, but there are people who have been so tremendously isolated. You know, if you're an introvert, this must, this might have been the best year of your life. You know, wow, I get to do my job from home. I get to sit with my thoughts. I get to read for an hour in the middle of the afternoon, which I wouldn't do in my office. And there are extroverts for whom every day has been a challenge. You know, every day has been, how do I think? How do I feel okay? How do I express myself? It's hard without having someone to, to bounce back and forth with. And there are a lot of people who are caring for children who have had hard times too. There are people who are experiencing you know, the loss of an object, the experience of loss of income, the loss of a place to live. So in the chat area or after Shabbat, if you want to email me, I am honestly looking for ideas from you to help me and the staff think about how we come back to the temple and how we don't just say, we're, we don't pretend nothing's happened and we don't silence the people who are excited and happy because it, the festival and Shabbat are true too. But we have a place for those to not feel that yet again, they are alone and silenced in their grief or their challenges. How do we find a way to do exactly the function the temple was meant to serve? The way to bring people who are happy, who, have, who don't even need to be there in a way. They're like, I mean, I'm looking forward to it because it's been great. You're going to get Neil. We're going to Motown Shabbat. I mean, what, what's, what's not to like, right? It's, I'm, feel, I, I, I'm feeling good. And but the people who have what to share and who have what to console and who have, want to, and, and who have ears to listen, and those people who have not been heard or who have been suffering in their homes. So the interaction of the home realm of the public realm is exactly what the whole thing is about. And how we bring holiness and sharing consciousness and ourselves to a holy reality in the temple is what the whole thing is about. And if people have ideas for how we balance, I mean, to give you, if you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, what we're going to do with Gomel when we get back. So that for people, when we're back and we can have the Torah and have Aliyot, 
And we have that extra passage, which is, I've been through a time of danger and I got through it. Does Gomel become something different in our temple actions? And that it is a time during each festivity and service to somehow have people tell their stories. It's for us to say, what has this year been like for you? And we don't too quickly as the psychiatrist and the pastoral counselor tells us, we don't rush to tell our story, but we're able to, we understand there are different categories of people re-entering and trying to make holiness together. We don't rush to solve their pain. We don't rush to categorize them, but they have a place that's identifiable where they have a chance to integrate, not only into community once again, but integrate the difficulty of the year into their psyche, into their soul. So the pain and the healing can be combined. Shabbat Shalom.